Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach Christopher McCullough. That's me, Master Certified Coach Christopher McCullough. And uh, the other voice you hear is the dulcet tones of Ms. Clarice Connolly. Who are you and why are you here? <laughs> uh, I'm Clarice Connolly and I'm a women's empowerment coach. And I'm here because I love creating podcasts and I love producing the coaching show and finding really great guests like this guest for today's episode like this one um i uh, uh first of all anything you want to say about this what attracted you to her what's what's exciting about this book i really liked her book the change maker ripple effect i think that anyone that's out there making change and standing for change <laughs> and being an inspiration in the coaching world is someone who really excites me um and just being in conversation with her i really enjoy all right her and, being. and how do people get a hold of you uh, empoweringwomen.coach. Great. Okay. Uh, Sarah Box is known as a strategic vision coach, a consultant, change agent, and now best-selling author. The Changemaker mm -hmm. Ripple Effect has been out for a couple of years, where she pulls from more than 30 years of professional experience working in and assisting nonprofit organizations as well as mm -hmm. corporate sectors. Uh, it's a book of inspiration. There's stories. Uh, it's, it's basically a great thing to read to sort of relight your fire. Uh, She's passionate about helping high achievers uh, transition to gain clarity about what matters most to them and charting a clear path forward. Please welcome to our microphone, Sarah Box. Hello, Sarah. Good morning. Hello to you all. Good morning. Thanks for dealing with I understand we had some technical issues. We're going to work that all out in the mix, as the kids say now. Um, you're... You, uh, came in a usual in an unusual path, I should say. We were just talking to someone who's a spiritual um, leader and making a difference in in the world through her spiritual beliefs. You have a master's in pastoral counseling. What was the path from there to coaching? You know, um, it's interesting. I actually didn't set out to get my master's in pastoral counseling, but it ended up that the further I delved into, like, why was I even bothering to go back and get a master's since my professional career was going great, and I, there was no need to do that, except that constant challenging myself. So I started down a path that was a little more traditional. I think I was doing, like, business or something, which I already had a background in, and Finally, the um, gal who was my advisor and uh, head, the dean, she said, why are you doing this? And I said, because, you know, aren't you supposed to? And, and this, I had already been in business for probably 20 years at the time. And she goes, well, let's have a different conversation. So she basically walked me through, in her role, what I now do for others is helping people get clear about why are you doing what you're doing. And so the pastoral counseling actually fit the direction that I wanted to be going because it's more of a seeking and a supportive um, and it helped me bring language into my business consulting with nonprofits in a different frame if you will for looking at how to assist people how to think more broadly than just the immediate um, and I it also tagged on to many years of volunteering you know and, and work that I had been doing in crisis intervention so it just felt like it was the right fit for what I was doing and the right mindset 
Nice. I love that. I didn't it didn't come right out that way. I just I had to discover it basically through her coaching of me to discover. And what would you say is the the style of coaching that you have found in this journey that's it's created the biggest impact to Crossbow? You know, I would think that it's kind of a blend between goals and exploration. I I have a hard time pigeonholing myself because often this happened to me in college as well when someone said, can you describe like your style? And it wasn't until someone helped me understand, another coach, right, helped me understand that I'm very situational. So if someone presents with me or, you know, I'm working with someone and what their needs are very specific to being um, goal-driven, focused on that, then that would be my primary desire, but I really do think that um, it's exploration and digging helps bring up things that folks don't often um, acknowledge are there and that are driving what they want or their current behaviors and potentially limit. You work with uh, leaders in a lot of nonprofit organizations. What's the biggest concern that you're finding uh, these days in nonprofits and in the leadership halls of those? There's with nonprofits, there's often always that concern about not being visible because that translation translates into not being funded. But mm. there is an increasing need of the nonprofits. So the nonprofits that I work with are primarily in human services. So they're helping people or communities, you know, but they're really looking at quality of life, I guess would be an umbrella. So if they are working to improve conditions in their communities, those are the folks that I typically work with. So you can imagine that they are stressed both in trying to help people, but also to run an organization. That's and right. Oftentimes, nonprofits start because someone has a passion about addressing um, an issue or a problem, and not always do they come with business um, savvy or background behind them. So that adds stress as you're going forward and not understanding what systems help you do that work. Or when you have board members who may need board development leadership training and you're a nonprofit executive or a startup and you may not know how to deliver that. So there's coaching around the professional aspect of it, but also the self-care of how do you be a leader and not burn out. Yeah, that's what I would think is that uh, a lot of people I talk to, you know, they're sacrificing everything for the cause, all in caps, right? Um, so one of the things, though, that what about on a personal level for you? I mean, many of us have things that we really support in our words. Are there uh, have being sort of on the inside of the leadership of nonprofits? Has it changed how you donate or or give your time or energy or resources to your own the causes that you care about? It does. I have been in the past um, an executive director of a nonprofit. So I've served as an executive director role in two organizations. So I'm really clear on the inside of it as well as the outside of it. And what it has done is it's given me an eye to um, focusing on impact, I guess. So sometimes I will donate because someone's doing a cause or a drive. And those are more what I would consider shorter term relationships. Mm -hmm. But the organizations that we, our family has continued to um, stay connected to financially over the years are those who I have relationships with basically. There are people I know in our community or in other communities that I know how they show up 
how they are consistent in their ethics and what they do. Even when they stumble, that's not the that's not a you know your organization had a bad year. I'm not gonna not support you any. It's the it's the way in which they show up and care for the community. In terms of volunteering with nonprofits, it's not infrequent that I'm donating time back or doing discounting work with them. But I really want the staff of nonprofits and the leadership of nonprofits, the leadership teams of nonprofits to feel supported because if they're burning out and not able to function their best, then the community suffers. Beautifully said. Therese? So I wanna I wanna bring in the, the book your book, um, the Changemaker Ripple Effect. And what stands out for me is as a coach, we all want to make an impact. How do you see that one person can transform the lives of thousands? Um, and what's your approach? Well, those are heavy questions, Clarice. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here for. She sounds nice, doesn't she? And then, <laughs> I know. It's kind of like, well, let me just throw a couple of lightweight questions out for you. So, actually, I do know that one person can change the lives of thousands because mm-hmm. it happens all the time. We don't often know it. Mm-hmm. Right, because you, if you're showing up and acting with intention, in a positive intention, um, you don't always know the results of the lives you've touched, you know, or what that might be. So it may be as small as taking ten minutes and going out of your way to do something you wouldn't necessarily do, but for the person you did that for, it may have meant the world. It may have been that one. Um, hope they had in their day and the line between deciding where they're even going to continue their day. And I know that may sound dramatic, but it's not. You know, having been worked crisis lines, I know that it can be the smallest things that are anchors in people's lives. So I think having examples of people who persevere or who have done things, um, even in the face of feeling like they couldn't, helps other people say maybe I could as well. So I do know that that happens. Um, and in terms, what was the second part of the question? <laughs> um, it just like, what is your approach? Like, what are some of the things that you support others in shifting to also believe that they can transform the lives of others? The thousands. Usually, so one of the things um, I really like to do and um, is to remind people to, to not limit or label what's possible for themselves or for others. And there's one one of my coaching clients told me one time, she goes, you helped me find my voice. Now, honestly, that was not my intent. My intent was just to be with her and help her get clear. Um, but part of it, what she told me, was that she didn't realize how many self-limiting beliefs she held right, until she did some exploration and looking at that and um, set some goals her path but part of it is over the years and this goes back many years I've always been interested in language the words we choose to use to describe either ourselves other people our current situations and when you listen carefully you can all often hear the limitations or the beliefs Mm -hmm. that people have going forward so I think helping people uncover um, even in their language because it frames your expectations. So when I say I will try to do something, that's code 
if you know me well enough, it's like, yeah, I probably won't do it. I'm just going to try, right? So mm-hmm. I don't, I try, I try, I don't allow myself to do that if I know it's going to be a cop out. I either I will or I won't. So oftentimes it's as simple as listening at language and being really aware. And I do think it starts with awareness, you know, on a number mm-hmm. of levels. So what is, what is your, um, Definition, or what are some of the characteristics of a change maker? The change maker is any person who decides that the current situation they're experiencing or seeing around them um, is not as good as it could be, and they set out to make a difference. Period. Okay. And then they take one step after another, and sometimes they're very baby steps, and they don't—they're not a big deal and sometimes they're pretty monumental and they have to figure out how they're going to do it mm-hmm. and sometimes get help from others but it's basically saying I've made a decision this condition X maybe these kids need school books or these folks in housing whatever right um, I'm, I the individual will put a stake in the ground and say I'm doing something about it in whatever way I can and then I find that that actually impels others, you know, who are like them or support them to come on board. Okay. We're, we're speaking in pretty general terms. One of the things that I like about you is that you've created some actual actionable things for people to do. Will you tell us about your gratitude challenge? Sarah, did you hear me? I just lost... Sorry, I asked, I asked you if you would describe the gratitude challenge. Uh, the gratitude challenge is fun. So it's a 30-day or 31-day challenge that each day has a different um, exercise, if you will. They're very brief, but they're, they're tiny. They are things designed so it's automatic. You sign up for the gratitude challenge. Each day we will send you a challenge for that day. We hope people accept the challenge. It may be as simple as doing something unexpected to help somebody else where they don't know that you even did it. Um, it could be looking out and finding something in nature. They're just a different sort of um, simple challenges that are really designed to get the person, you know, the individual who's taking the challenge to shift their thinking a little bit and also their awareness. Because when we are a little more grateful of what we already have and acknowledging that, it, it lightens things. And it makes, I think, for me personally and those that I work with, a little more aware of what's already happening and possible. Okay, so how do we get involved? Well, you just send a little um, request. You can go to my website. There's a sign-up, but we will send you a link that... Um, you can share with folks, any guests listening to this, and all they have to do is click on it, submit the request form, and you are automatically enrolled in the challenge. Oh, and I got the link, too. So it's HTTP semicolon forward slash forward slash, and then it's bit.ly forward slash gratitudes sign up. So singular, gratitude singular sign up. And her website is sarahbox.com. So that's with two X's. With an H. 
Sarah with an H, B O X X. Sarah with an H, B O X X dot com. That's right. Uh, okay. And then every day you get a new challenge. And the idea is it'll make us feel better. It'll actually make our lives better and it'll make the world better. So your own change maker ripple effect, right? Is there a, is there a, is there a story in the book that, uh, that you want to share with people or that you want to highlight anything that was particularly inspiring to you? You know, all of them touched me, but one, one of the um, stories and one of the first ones in the book is about a young woman who I've actually known a number of years now, but when she was in her early 20s, early, early in her career, she was working for a school district. And her job was basically to be what was called a truant agent, uh, you know, in those days. It's got a different name now, but it basically, if you're not in school, she, her job was to go out and knock on the door and find out why, and get you in school, right? So you weren't getting in trouble. And she found that, in particular, there were um, some kids who weren't there for, you know, reasons of economics or parent issues, but this one, young man she found wasn't going to school and she just kept looking at what was going on we'd go to his door and then people would say well that's really and you know she's small she's not a very big gal and she's young and people said yeah that's not a good area to go into and she just well I need to know why he's not at school so the long and short of it is that after finding out, she found out that he wasn't in school because he didn't have any clothes. You know, he had one, he only came to school three days a week because he had one pair of pants, he had two shirts, and the shirts had to be long enough to cover a hole in the back of his pants. So he, and he was in a high school that was, he was, you know, bus to a high school that was up front, and he didn't want to be wearing ripped up clothes, so he only went the days he could show up in clean clothes and look like he was wearing something different every day. And that, to her, she just, that's not working. So she went to her boss and said, can we take some money, and can I please buy him some clothes, you know, simple things, and some food. And her boss, being the guy he was, said yes. Now you don't, that doesn't fly so much today. But it started a whole thing of them looking beyond just was someone in school or not, what was their family conditions, and that changed how they looked at things. And it and she went on to work in missing and exploited kids issues and nationally, doing that nationally, and has continued to do nonprofit work and global work, you know, helping people think differently and beyond, similarly beyond limitations. But for me, that was so inspiring to see her just say, that doesn't work. You know, you need to do more and buck a system, which I don't know if anybody listening knows how a large school system is very structured. And here's this gal. And her boss said, you know, I think he just figured there wasn't going to be any stopping her anyway, so you might as well say yes. But it made a huge difference for that young man's life and his being able. And he sent her a letter um, he tracked her down when he graduated high school to thank her and for the difference that she had made in him being able to finish school. That's so beautiful. All right, you've uh, got your own podcast, No Labels, No Limits podcast. Tell us about that. Well, 
because I'm not able to coach everybody I would like to be able to coach, and because I do believe that sometimes all we need is inspiration from somebody else or someone helping us know the path forward, I started the podcast so that I could interview different kinds of folks, find out, you know, especially a lot of women, because women, I think, feel isolated when they're trying to make a change, also feeling that they have to do it all and have to do it perfectly. So intentionally, mm-hmm. I'm looking at folks who aren't doing it perfect, but they are doing it. They're not taking no or limiting beliefs on themselves and what's possible and interviewing them and learning some things. Now, the guests are not all women, but they are all people who have a message to share. And for me, it was also another challenge, just in a way to reach people who may not be geographically close to somebody so if you're in a city it's easy or easier if you're in a community to meet up with somebody and have a conversation but if you live rural or you're traveling all the time and remote it's not so easy so that was also the uh, idea behind it was to connect people virtually to others and then provide a way for them to reach out to one another and just be connected i love that um in, in your speaking, I hear a lot of the ripple effect that you're having. What would you advise or have us start doing to start creating our own ripple effect? That's a good question also, Clarice. So I think when I... I really do think about having a ripple effect, but I don't set out in terms of having that be my intention, like to mm-hmm. have, like do something specific saying if I do X, Y will happen. But I think for if anyone who wants to have an impact, to just be intentional about it. So honestly, my impact is I want people to feel better and connected to their dreams and go after them. And I may never, ever know if that's happened. But I would ask someone if that does happen for them to try and bring someone else along with them, right? To lift somebody else up and help them achieve something. So I think if you have an intention about what you're trying to create and you're very clear about it, that will occur. But there, you do need to be intentional about, you know, what is the change you want to make? And, then, and it may be a personal change. And in doing that and just being focused on that, other people will take notice and often encouragement. And you will know that from people asking, how do you do that? Could you help me? In which case, to the degree possible, the answer should always be, I'd love to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's really just living with intention right. and not wondering when will something happen to me or for me, but start. Mm-hmm. And if someone out there is listening and they've, you know, lost touch of their dream or have stopped dreaming, like, what do you, what would you say the first step is to get back on track or get back to that dream? I think having really good questions either asked of you or if you're not able to have someone help you be reflective about what matters to you to be able to I'm a big proponent of reading and doing exercises. I'm, I'm an introvert by nature, so I, those kinds of head things work for me, but also talking to people do. But even just doing something different. So, for instance, 
if and this I did this like three or four years ago when I re-envisioned what I wanted to be doing as well I just basically took all of my my grown-up coloring things which at that point was a huge whiteboard and markers nice. and I went out and I asked myself questions but I just drew images or put things together about what would I like to have and have happen and what might that involve um, but really playing around with some ideas. If there are, you know, I'm also happy to offer up for folks if they reach out to me, if they want to do a simple exercise they can do for themselves. But it really helps you think about the things that you like to do or used to like to do and then be able to reflect on those to say, wow, have I cut out a bunch of things that matter to me in lieu of something else? Mm-hmm. You know, and that no longer matters to me or maybe has crowded out those dreams. And I'm, I'm very happy if folks um, want to reach out via email and just say, put in the subject line, uh, like to do exercise. And what is the email that they can reach out? Is it the uh, Sarah at Sarah Box? Yep, Sarah at SarahBox.com. With an H, people. With an H. And two X's. With an H. <laughs> with an H, two X's. Awesome. We're in our last few minutes, and I kind of want to give the time to you. What is something that you wish people could start doing or things that you want to see different? Or, you know, what can they pick up and hear about in your book? Whatever you got for us. Well, I think different is... If folks are doing something different and, and they're able to... Um, share something positive mm-hmm. about that with others in whatever group that is, I think that's great. I'm on this new, this may feel a little bit like a left turn to you all, so. I'm into it. But this has been really important to me in recently, um, having gone through a first half of a political campaign, not myself personally, but my um, husband, but listening and watching how it's, how we as a people, as a group have become very comfortable um, pigeonholing people by, you know, asking things in the case of politics, you know, what's your party? And it was interesting for me because I had to be silent, which was, you know, I'm listening, I'm supporting, but I'm not out front. It was interesting to notice how often people would ask a question that really was like saying, your answer to this question will determine whether I listen to you or I don't, without seeking any further. And it started, you know, I paid attention to it quite a bit. Like I said earlier, I pay a lot of attention to language and what people say. And I found even for myself, people whose political views I had not appreciated in the past because I'd done the same thing. It's like, they're this party, or I just don't agree with this. But I, because I had to listen to people different than myself, I learned a lot. And I learned to respect people who, it didn't change a ton of my views, but it changed my, that ability to just say in and out and really look deeper and find that people are very sincere, whether or not we agree. There is sincerity. But what I also noticed was there's not always that willingness to um, put aside, so in my case, put aside my own biases and listen differently where there might be commonality. And in those cases where I watch people do that, set aside bias and have, like, well, let's talk about the community 
community we're trying to create versus labels on people. Um, I watch magic happen. So for me, I think if I can encourage people at all, when you feel that gut thing going, well, those people are, or that group is, and the next thing you want to put on is some label that limits them or discounts them, to take a step back and ask yourself a question, I wonder what they might really believe or matter to them. And my, one of my favorite questions that's Sarah. Sarah, I don't know if you can hear the music, but that's all the time we've got. Oh, you want to you want to end up with that question that you ask? The question is, what if you were wrong and they were right? Beautiful. So, all right. Thank you so much for being with us, Sarah Box. We'll talk to you next week.